The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Feel it coming in the air. Yeah. And the screams from everywhere. Yeah. I'm addicted to the thrill. I'm ready. It's a dangerous Stop. love affair. Can't be scared when nickels down. Got a problem, tell me Stop. now. Only thing that's on my mind is who gon' this town tonight. Welcome to the Grand Master Sports Talk. Tuesday morning, Phoenix, Arizona. Alex Clancy in studio. Deborah Debris on the line. Kwame Lasseter will probably be calling in a little bit later. Got a lot to talk about today. I do want to talk about the Super Bowl aftermath. Uh, 43-8 victory, Seattle over Denver, if you have been living under a rock for the past 48 hours. I want to talk about what's next for both of these teams, how, where they can improve, who they need to re-sign, who they can't let go, what they're going to do in the draft, etc. I'll talk some NBA, Washington Wizards. Over over 500 for the first time since 2009. John Wall, All-Star starter, snub, made the All-Star team as a reserve. I'll talk about the East uh, the Eastern Conference and and talk about how teams are getting better. Teams are starting to figure themselves out. A lot of young point guards. You have a lot of young leaders on those teams. So and I guess you could say throughout the NBA. So I'll definitely want to touch on that and, and how they're starting to mature and become better leaders and lead their teams to more victories and not give up games late. We might talk a little Carmelo. I kind of might want to give him a rest, though, because I uh, kind of rip him as as much as I rip anybody on this show. Talk Pau Gasol potentially being traded to the Phoenix Suns pending his his body being right. Uh, he he's had this injury nagging for the past couple weeks, and um, he had a great January, over twenty points, over eleven rebounds for the Lakers. So Ryan McDonough is definitely looking for a veteran low-post guy that can kind of anchor their offense down low that they don't really have right now because they play a stretch-four offense due to Channing Frye being more of a shooter than anything. Um, so that could be an interesting trade for Phoenix, and, and I do want to talk about that. And we have Down and Dirty with Deborah, I believe, in the last segment. Deborah, how are you feeling? Uh, I've had better days, but I'm doing all right. Yeah, well, I'm glad. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll, I'll be on for a while anyway. Okay, cool. So, uh, NFL... You know, it was it was an interesting Super Bowl. I was the highest rated U.S. TV show of all time. That's four out of five years the Super Bowl has taken that taken that trophy. It'd take away last year, I think it was only 109 million viewers, and it was about around 100 and uh, 114 this year, something in that regard. Um, what does Seattle need to do to get better? Uh, that's a tougher question, so I'm going to answer that one second. What does Denver need to do to get better? This is the interesting part because they were the most potent offense in NFL history, which is which has been talked about much leading up to the Super Bowl. They offensively, it seemed like before they played an actual real defense, I guess, seemed flawless. I mean, you have the best receiving core in football. You have the best player in football uh, as your quarterback. You have a great run game, uh, run by committee, where both guys could be starting somewhere else if. If Moneyball wasn't backing up Noshan Moreno, I'm sure he would be, have a starting job somewhere else. Obviously, the defense was suspect. Throughout the playoffs, they played really, really well. Gave up 27 points total in the divisional or in the uh, two rounds before the Super Bowl. But they just they just didn't 
they didn't do much against Seattle's defense in the Super Bowl. Von Miller was out, obviously. Uh, they had injuries. Chris Harris, who was out, who they signed from New England, uh, was out. They need to bring in some people to anchor that defense. And it's interesting now with the secondary that Seattle put together, Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, etc., big, tough, they're pretty much receivers that play on defense. They hit hard. They have good hands for for uh, DBs. And it'll be interesting to see in this draft if cornerbacks, safeties are coveted more than than they have been in recent history. And with how Pete Carroll put that defense together, it's going to be looked at. It's going to be monitored. Tape's going to be watched. What strengths and weaknesses he looks for for his guys. And I'm sure teams with bad defenses and great offenses, i.e. Green Bay, Chicago, New Orleans, will probably take a page or a chapter out of Pete Carroll's book and focus on perfecting their defense or getting close to it this offseason. Because obviously what happened on Sunday showed that defense beats good offense. And, and this defense is historically great this year. They were historically great. Granted, the 2000 Ravens team that had zero offense that won the Super Bowl against the Giants, Trent Dilfer at the helm, who, who was you know, kind of mocked as a Super Bowl-winning quarterback because he didn't do much because the defense was so good. Well, I think, too, when we look at uh, what's going to happen next year with the Seahawks, um, you've got Russell Wilson, who is only a second year, which means he has to go another full year, which we don't know what's going to happen to him injury-wise or not, um, before they can even, you know, negotiate a better contract for him. So he's, uh, you know, he's one of those guys that's sitting on the cusp. Um, Sherman uh, just had his third year, which means, you know, he's going to be looking for more money. So as they put together the Seahawks, there's the you know idea of who do you want and then who can you afford as they uh, go forward into next year and then you know the year after as well. Yeah, I mean, it, and and those two guys, I feel like are safe. If if Seattle's smart, they'll have both those guys retire as Seahawks. And I know it's it's projection at this point because they probably have ten, twelve years each uh, still to play in the NFL. But you have them, and and I, I think that everybody is disposable. On the Seahawks, except for the majority of the defense, Russell Wilson and Marshawn Lynch. There's not really anybody else. I mean, the offensive line is good, but it can always get better. They don't have a receiving core, really. Percy Harvin is yet to be seen. I think he's still under contract for a couple years uh, with, the, with the contract that they took on from Minnesota. But everybody else, I mean, Golden Tate is okay. Uh, uh, Jermaine Curse is, is fine, but he didn't really do anything this whole year until the Super Bowl where he had a huge impact. Uh, Marshawn Lynch, Beast Mode, you need to keep him, obviously. You need to give him some money. And, yeah, w- when Russell Wilson and Richard Sherman's contracts are up, it- it's time. I mean, they're going to need to get paid. And defensive backs don't get paid as much as everybody else. So at least in the confines of NFL pay structures, you can hang on to both of those players because they're in two totally different demographics. Right. Russell Wilson's not going to get $100 million. I mean, he's not going to get Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees money. Yes, he won a Super Bowl early. That's great. I mean, that's a great start. But it'll be interesting to see what happens with him if he continues to get better and better, which there's no signs that he won't. Especially with his playing style, it's, it's, not, it's not a dangerous playing style. He's very cerebral. He knows how to keep himself out of danger. He runs when it's given to him when there's open space. He's not trying to run through seven defenders. 
So I, I do believe that, you know, 40 million, something like that, 15, 17 mil guaranteed for four years. I understand, like, that'll be a good contract for him, maybe five years. Yeah, well, that's the thing in the NFL, too. They always look not so much at what have you done, but what, are you, what can you do yet. So they're always looking at the possibilities of a player. Um, and I think when we look at any team, and especially, of course, we're talking about Super Bowl teams and talking about the Seahawks, is uh, the culture of the team. And if they start to, when they start to move people around, if they're not keeping those core people or because of money aren't keeping some of those core people, um, it can totally change the culture of the team, which can change, you know, what they're going to be able to do next year. Right. Uh, Pete Carroll at the, at the helm, obviously, is a huge factor in that, as well as somebody like Russell Wilson. Absolutely. And it'll be interesting to see what they do in the draft this year. Uh, I, obviously, they have the latest pick in the first round. I'm not sure if they just go defense and and do a uh, a Nick Saban type type uh, strategy where next man up won't be that big of a deal if they end up not being able to sign all of their secondary uh, in whenever their contracts are up if they have guys that they're cultivating and 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 being tutored under the best secondary in the NFL then maybe they'll just be able to step in and and use some more rookie contracts to save them some money. So I, you know, I, I'm not sure what they're going to do. I, I do believe that offensively, they're that's where they can get better because obviously their defense is second to none this year. Kwame, you on the line? You there? Uh, we're waiting for Kwame to get patched in. I believe he's on the phone. Uh, Alex, yo, what's up? All right, so we're just talking Seattle defense. What what they're going to do in the draft? Like, do you think that they sign or that they draft? Defensive players to make it even, even better, make it even you know more foolproof. Or do they do they draft a receiver? Do they draft offensive line? Like where would you go if you were the GM of the Seattle Seahawks in the upcoming draft? I will start preparing for free agency and guys uh, leaving. Uh, one of the main things is uh, with athletes is they love to be where they're comfortable. Seattle is a comfortable place. You look at the coach; he's, I think he's one of the greatest. Player coaches that I've seen in a while. Um, I shouldn't say greatest. I think he's what a, he's a great player coach that I've seen in a while. So if I'm going into the draft, I may I may go defensive back. I may go a guy like Browner who's been suspended for most of the year. Um, I may find somebody to replace him because that's all predicated on what the NFL and the league decides to do with him as far as he's going to be suspended or when will he be able to come back. So. Offensive line and defensive backs or linebackers is where I would focus more on the draft going into this year's draft. Yeah, I mean, it's it's smart. I mean, and that's that seems like the correct thing to do, um, especially if – and that's all predicated upon if Percy Harvin can stay healthy for a whole year, this offense would be completely different. I mean, Marshawn Lynch would have even more room to run because Percy Harvin, you have to watch him on end-arounds. Like, he had 45 yards on two end-arounds during the Super Bowl. He's so electric in the slot. You can put him outside. He can he can burn pretty much any any defensive back in the game. So if you have that as a weapon, you can definitely draft defense, draft offensive line, draft other needs because you have... You you have the potency in the offense that was lacking this year will be back in spades next year because he'll be healthy. But don't you think also when they're going through the draft that they're looking at not only who can replace who as far as the uh, first string, but you know how what's your depth? You know, in certain positions, who do you need to bring on to get used to the culture? 
to um, learn from whoever's in that position right now in order to uh, know that you've got you know, a full team throughout the entire season if someone gets injured or going into next year looking at your players of who might be uh, out there looking for bigger contracts and you're going to have to re- reconstruct your team. Yeah, and I, I think keeping their, and, keeping their and defensive and ends... And Deborah, you're right. Depth is the key, but finding those guys with that personality that fits into that team. We look at that team and look like they have fun. They look like they have fun doing what they're doing. They don't mind showing up for work. They don't mind showing up for practice. Uh, meetings, they just let they have fun all the time. But yeah, depth is definitely a key. Um, if one man go down, let the next guy come in and have some fun. Uh, and and that, that goes back to with the personality and and him uh, he understanding the system of the Seattle Seahawks. Well, that's the thing. When you look at what happened after the game, where the guys were talking about, I mean, Russell Wilson was saying, you know, they were at the hotel. Macklemore shows up. They're playing for him. Coaches are dancing. Teams are dancing and singing the players and stuff. And they're just they're not out clubbing. They're hanging together, having a great time, and keeping that cohesive unit together and just enjoying themselves and their families. I mean, it, it is easy to say that after you win the biggest spectacle in sports. I mean, well, I, and I'm just saying that going back to the culture, that the culture is different than what we've seen on some, uh, on some of the other teams, and that goes back to the players as a cohesive unit, the way they played on the field and the way they like hanging together off the field as well. Yeah, I mean, that's fair, and, guys, uh, but it's, but it's easy. to understand that this is their job, um, and all you got to do is for eight months to stay focused. So we see a lot of guys during the season getting in trouble. We see a lot of guys off-season getting in trouble. But if you want to play football, there's only, you, you only got one play at a time. So how, you, don't know, you never know how long you want to be in this game. Um, your passion may be in for ten years or, or five years or what have you. But you can't do that if you're getting in trouble on the off season. If you get in trouble during the season, if you if you're trying to circumvent the the uh, substance of uh, abuse law or ban a situation that it is, but you you have to bring in guys who understand. Well, I got your back as long as you're doing everything right. Right. Brownie yeah. uh, Brownie's got in trouble a couple of times. This is the second time I believe, and this has to do with substance abuse. Not yep. substance abuse, but some. Uh, first it was Adderall, and then this time it might be some enhancement nonsense. Yeah, uh, we have to take a break. On the other side, we'll talk about the Denver Broncos, the future for them, what they need to do, how they can get better, how they can maybe get Peyton Manning his second ring. Uh, Kwame Lasseter, Sports Talk, Deborah Debris, Kwame Lasseter on the line, Alex Clancy in studio, Voice America Radio. We'll be back. Your internet flagship station for sports. Sports. Hi, I'm Joe Swedish, CEO of WellPoint. We proudly support the March of Dimes and all they do to reduce the rate of premature birth in the United States. Though premature births have recently declined, still half a million babies are born too soon each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs that help moms and their babies live healthier lives. Please visit MarchofDimes.com. And join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. 
In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine, from the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week. Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Welcome back to Kwame Last Letter Sports Talk. Alex Clancy in studio. Deborah will be on the line. I believe Kwame will be calling back later on in the show. We just finished up talking about the Seattle Seahawks, the future, what they should do, who they should resign, the strategy going into the draft, etc. Let's move over to the Denver Broncos. Really bad loss. Uh, they're 0-3 wearing the orange jerseys in the Super Bowl, and I believe that's the reason why they lost. Uh, it's it, it, it's an interesting situation in Denver. Winning all year, putting up points like nobody ever has before. Uh, defense holding true, but it's kind of easy to play defense when you're up three touchdowns for a, a good part of the season. I'm not sure if there's... Anything they can do aside from trading up in the draft, trading players, but that's not a huge thing in the NFL, they're going to need to get that defense better. Uh, Champ Bailey is on his last leg. He had, he's had a great, illustrious career. Unfortunately, he hasn't won a Super Bowl. But that trade uh, for Clinton Portis from him when he was in Washington was one of the best things that ever happened to the Denver franchise. So uh, I, they're going to need somebody to take his place. I mean, only he only plays about half the snaps, I would think, two-thirds, uh, due to the different packages. But so I I'm think, curious. I'm interested in that. I heard that going um, leading up to the game that the Broncos, you know, they had the pads on practicing because they knew that they had to be more aggressive on the field, and yet they weren't. Yeah, why weren't they doing that all year? Well, yeah, uh, and uh, you know when I saw after the you know the first play within seconds, um, and then throughout the game, anytime they showed Peyton Manning showed his face, I looked at it and the only word that came to my mind was disgust. It didn't look like stress. It didn't look like necessarily upset. It was more like disgust, like he was disgusted with his team members for not putting everything they could possibly put into that game and. He gets it, and yet, you know, that's, like I said, that's the only thing I could see in the body language and in the facial expression was that disgust. Yeah, well, okay, so, so let's talk about this. Let's kind, of, let's kind of move over to a different direction here. I got uh, laughed at when I said that Tom Brady was doing the right thing by getting into his, getting to his uh, young receivers' faces in, earlier on in the year and how I said that uh, Peyton Manning's too nice. He's a great leader, but he's too nice. He doesn't hold people accountable, seemingly. He does it in a different way. And I think that on the big stage, he's not looked at as the guy that's going to take him to the championship. And it was it was so obvious after the first snap that they were off their game, and that's his job to keep that from happening. 
And when he has that disgust, I mean, yeah, first of all, he knew he wasn't going to win a Super Bowl. So that was, that was partially uh, selfish on his part, which I believe, but uh, to, a certain, to a small extent. Obviously, he's a team player and all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. But he wanted to win for him also because that's why he came to Denver. He gave him the best chance to win a Super Bowl. So that's why he came there. I do believe that he has issues leading teams, and it's been his way the whole, his whole career. He can do it with his actions, but with his words, things are left to be desired. And it shows because the regular season, there's really no pressure. You make the playoffs, they always start at 11-0, 12-0, 13-0, 14-1, all those things. And when it gets down to the big games, he folds. Yeah, and, and I would agree with that. That, uh, but, but that's something, again, that they have to do throughout the season. You can't do it on one game or going through the playoffs and then the, the big game. Um, and I go back to Brady, to, uh, to, you know, when we were talking about that, it more, looked more like he was degrading players rather than pumping players up by getting in their face. I'm fine with you know, somebody getting in your face and pumping you up, screaming at you and those type of things to get you to, to move. Um, especially when that's your style and it's not just one person, it's whoever needs to be pumped up in the moment. When you saw Brady, he was back on the bench most of the time and he looked like a little kid that was pouting. Uh, and that has a major effect whenever the guys might be looking, uh, at him as, you know, we're gonna ride on your shoulders all the way to the, you know, to the end and pick up the trophy. Tom Brady is a coach on the field as is Peyton Manning. Coaches yell at players. That's what they do. And I believe that if you're given the keys to the castle on the field as the head coach, you can do whatever the hell you want. Because you are the person that is most equipped to have that role, to lead the team. So whatever, whatever uh, transpires from that is what transpires from that. And I will back Tom Brady up forever. I can see both sides of many things. I don't believe that what Tom Brady did for a second was wrong. Degrading all that stuff, that's fine. These are grown men. It's not degrading. These guys are in the NFL. They're exemplary at their craft. But if you don't follow if you don't follow the game plan, if you don't run your routes right, there are gonna be ramifications. I mean, one of those plays by Kimball Tompkins where he missed a route could have been a touchdown, could have won the game that they lost. There are things every play is so important in the NFL there's no room for error. And obviously Tom Brady, who has three Super Bowls, has a better way of leading his team and instilling trust in his team than Peyton Manning does. I mean, it's in the numbers. I'm not making this up. This is exactly, this is how it's been for Peyton Manning's whole career. There is something that he is not doing right. Well, and I would look at not only Peyton Manning, and I would agree with you on a number of those points, that not only Peyton Manning needs to learn how to pump his guys up, how to get in their face once in a while, and, you know, make sure on a game-to-game, play-by-play instance that they know exactly what they're supposed to do, and if they don't do it, like you said, that there are ramifications. You've also got, you know, a defensive line. You've also got special teams. You've also got your coaches, your coordinators and that. You know, where were they in all of this? Because I didn't see any of that energy on the sideline, certainly not on the field, nor did I see it on the sideline uh, of any of those positions taking the leadership role of pumping up the guys or the guys pumping themselves up. Peyton Manning put them in bad situations, the defense. Yes, okay, the kickoff in the second half, yeah, fine. That might have been a coaching error by Matt Pre- uh, for Matt Prater to kick a pooch kick instead of just trying to kick it out of the end zone so Percy Harvin doesn't have a chance to return the ball. I understand that, so take that away. Even take the safety away because it was a fluke play, and uh, I still put that on Peyton Manning. Because he's the one that's saying hike. He's the one that's calling the play in the huddle 
and that's and and obviously there was some sort of uh, miscommunication there. Peyton Manning has put put them in bad situations the whole game. The defense I'm talking about. He threw two balls where he should have just taken a sack, or he should have thrown the ball away. If he has any f- mobility at all, you step in, you step up in the pocket, or you move around the defensive end who's rushing at you with his hands up. There was no way he was going to complete either of the pass interceptions that he threw. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, I would agree on that. I mean, he seems so out of rhythm in this game. Um, it just nothing seemed to flow right, and I mean, he didn't even play that much of the game. You know, he was on the sideline most of the time. Right. So it's difficult for a defense to perform well, especially when they're winded, when they don't get a lot of. There weren't. There wasn't one long drive by Denver. That's what they're known for this year. One long drive the whole year, the whole game until the fourth quarter when the game was out of reach, or that it what was it four minutes left in the third when they first scored. Yeah. So it was complete. Yeah, exactly. It was completely out of reach. Well, and that's the thing. At that point, you know, or any point in between, if there had been some play right before halftime to give the guys at least an idea of, you know, at least we have a chance. Uh, but there weren't any plays, as you said, until that, you know, you know, one drive where they ended up scoring that even had an inkling of, yeah, we're at least in the game. No, you know, maybe we got off the bus and we're here. Having, I mean, having said all that. Uh, they did run into a buzzsaw. So, I mean, you can point blame at whoever you want. I don't think that John Fox is that great of a coach. Uh, personally, um, he hasn't really shown that he's a good coach. He kind of got lucky with Tim Tebow on that run, and then he got lucky uh, signing Peyton Manning. I mean, that's. I understand that many coaches need to get lucky to become relevant. I mean, Bill Belichick was, that's, was the same way. He wasn't a great coach with the Browns, but then Drew Bledsoe goes down, and the rest is history. So, I mean, when it comes to that, you need leadership from on, on the sidelines, too. And John Fox, I mean, in his, in his halftime interview, his whole thing was, we just can't turn the ball over. Thanks, Coach. I could have said that. Right, I, I mean, yeah. I, I don't know what his halftime speech was. I think he should have sat his ass down and had Peyton Manning get up. If you're a leader, you take over that locker room. You know what you need to do. You've done it all year. Right. So I, the buzzsaw that they walked into, I don't know if anybody could have beat them. I mean, they came in with that blind... Ignorance is bliss. We're just going to beat the hell out of you. I, yes, we've never been to the Super Bowl. That's what I meant by ignorance is bliss. Maybe they didn't realize how big the stage was. Maybe they did. Maybe they're just that mentally tough, and that comes from the coaching. The mentally tough part comes from the coaching. The ability to perform in, in adverse situations, that's the players. Well, what I found interesting when I, I was listening to a number of the different interviews with uh, Russell Wilson after, you know, even days after now, of course, we're only a couple days after, but I, I was so thrilled when I heard him talking about, uh, you know, his conversations with his dad and the why not me, which is actually something I even wrote in my book, but it, it takes the uh, a trigger statement, you know, and he used that in the beginning of the season to set a tone for the team throughout, you know, throughout the um, season and postseason. Um, he talked about uh, the visualization that he did, you know, particularly preparing for any and every game so he knew exactly what to do. He was talking about the rhythm of the warm-ups and that there was a particular rhythm. I mean, everything he was saying, I was like, dude, you know, I am so with you on all that. The yeah. fact that he went to the Super Bowl last year, not that he played in it, um, but he went there and actually was observing what was going on so he could get a feeling for what it was going to be like when he got there. So it wasn't as brand new that he knew already, and he had been envisioning that throughout the year. So I think a lot of those things play into it. Obviously, you need talent and everything else that goes with it, but you're right. That mental and emotional strength conditioning is a key factor in being able to play at that level 
um, and do it well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, I think I feel like the why not me thing was right when he was drafted because I mean, Matt Flynn came right. in. He had he was he was getting money. He got paid, and he just comes in and he's like, "Well, I'm going to beat you out for this job." Well, that's the thing when you look at you know all the labels that everybody else was putting on uh, not only him but the team of you know he's too short, they're too young, never been to the Super Bowl, you know all the things. And they just rejected all those labels and created their own for themselves. Absolutely. Uh, we got to take a break. On the other side, I will bring up the NBA, talk about a little Pau Gasol, uh, if it's a, he's going to be a good fit for the Suns or not, if the trade does go through with the February 20 NBA trade deadline looming. Coming last of Sports Talk, Deborah Debris on the line, Alex Clancy in studio. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Deborah underscore Debris for Deborah at Clancy's Corner for me at Kwame Lasseter for Kwame Lasseter. Uh, iTunes, check out our podcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Like our Facebook page. Just search Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. We're trying to bump that up, trying to get to 1,000 likes this year. We'll be back. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you? It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Now some of you might still be in that place. If you're trying to get out, just follow me. Welcome back to Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Alex Clancy in studio. I am now alone. Deborah had to go. Kwame might be calling back a little later. We've talked Super Bowl aftermath, little Seattle, little Denver. Uh, I'm sad that and there's no more NFL. I guess spring training is coming up, but it's kind of a letdown. Do have the Olympics coming up, which I'm excited about. I, I mean, personally, I just want to watch Sean White doing the Super Pipe. But uh, that World Cup this summer, which I'm extremely excited about, so there's really no downtime for sports this year, which is, which is a really good thing. Uh, NBA, uh, about at the All-Star break, really interesting storylines this year. Uh, interesting, monotonous, tedious, exciting. You know, th- this year has been weird. It's been a really weird year. Uh, the Eastern Conference, three teams out of 15 average over 100 points a game. And in the Western Conference, 12 out of 15 average over 100 points a game. Every playoff team in the Western Conference 
Averages over 100 points a game. Eastern Conference, only two. Miami and Atlanta. Even the best team in the NBA, Indiana, doesn't even average over 100 points a game. So it'll be interesting to see the different dynamics when the playoffs hit. If the points will go up, if the points will go down. Usually defense plays a bigger part in playoffs than it does in the regular season. I'm not sure if in the Eastern Conference if the teams are just really that bad or if the defense is better. You know, I'm not sure. But what I do know is that there is a lot of there are a lot of young leaders in the NBA. And unlike the NFL, I believe a lot of times playing allows you to learn the game more as opposed to just watching film, uh, sitting behind players. It's not like quarterbacks, receivers, running backs, even defensive players that sit behind veterans for a couple of years before actually getting their shot to start. The NBA is just kind of a get the ball and go kind of kind of league, especially because so many players coming out of college now are ready. You know, look at Damian Lillard, Weber State. I mean, who who'd have thought that he's he's a top six, top seven point guard in the NBA? He's got his team third in the Western Conference, fourth best record, fifth best record in the NBA, and he's playing really well. He's playing really efficiently. He doesn't shoot the ball very well yet. But ask Jason Kidd about how long it takes for you to learn how to shoot the basketball if you can't before. You can't in college. And, I mean, he does take a lot of shots, so obviously the field goal percentage will go down from there. But he he really entices me. Steph Curry, my favorite player in the NBA. Goran Dragic, NBA Player of the Week this week, averaging 28-7. and Now that's kind of the counterpoint to my previous statement of learning on the fly he sat behind Steve Nash for a few years, and it resonated. He shot 70% from the field this week. Steve Nash has always shot over 50% from the field, and it's crazy with how many threes Steve Nash took and how many mid-range jumpers he took. Shooting 50% is, is incredible. The fact that Goran did it in a stretch of a week for his shooting 70% is even more so. So there's young, young point guards leading teams. John Wall has taken Washington from, you know, 13, 14 wins. They're 24 and 23 now. The five seed in the East. Getting, getting Martian Gortz out from the Suns helped. Bradley Beal being healthy helps. Trevor Reese has played really well. He's kind of come back from the dead. Nene is, is seemingly, he's as healthy as he can be. So they have an exciting team in Washington, and I haven't; those words haven't come out of my mouth in a long time. Toronto. Who is Terrence Ross? He's blown up. Kyle Lowry has played great. I have a boy that works for the works for the Raptors, and he I can't believe how excited he is right now. We can take the cold away from it. It's negative two hundred fifty degrees there, but. It's an exciting basketball team. I'm bored with Miami. I want LeBron to go somewhere else. I'm done. It's not. I mean, it's just not fun. It's not fun to watch anymore. That's personal. I mean, I never thought I'd say that because I love watching LeBron play. Love watching Dwayne Wade. Chris Bosh is fine. Not a huge fan of of big guys that don't play down low, but you know they have their ups and downs. 
Russell Westbrook has been forgotten in Oklahoma City because they're winning without him, 9-1 in the last 10, 39-11 on the year. And, and I, will, I will say, and I have said this last week, that, that this is LeBron James in Cleveland. This team cannot win a playoff series, I don't think, after the first round without Russell Westbrook. I just don't believe it. I mean, Serge Ibaka is playing out of his mind. He might win most improved player this year, even though he had a great year last year. Kevin Durant might win MVP. I mean, I, f- I feel like he should at this point, should win MVP. But I don't think they have the pieces. They don't have the backcourt to withstand all those games in the playoffs through the finals to win a championship. I just don't see it happening. They might get there. I think their only test is going to be San Antonio. The Clippers, you know, they're the four seed. This is what the Clippers do. The best team in L.A., but they, they're not made for the playoffs. They're just not. I mean, especially with Chris Paul not being able to be on the court for more than half the season or three-quarters of the season every year. It's difficult to build a rhythm when you have a great stretch to open the season. He gets hurt. For, he's out for six weeks. And you try to scramble to get through. I mean, Darren Collison's played fine, but he's not, he's not a franchised point guard. He just isn't. He's a great backup point guard. He's maybe the best backup point guard in the NBA, but he's not going to be a good starter. He, he just isn't. I mean, they're winning games because just based on pure talent alone, J.J. Redick was a great acquisition by them. But when it comes to the playoffs and possessions are cut you know, by a third, every possession counts even more so. You need to be able to have big guys that you can throw it down low to and they can bang it and, and, and get some points in the paint or hit a 14-footer. And I don't think that... Either of those guys, DeAndre Jordan or Blake Griffin, are capable of that throughout throughout a whole playoffs. Houston, Dwight Howard is is not the answer. He's just not. If Gordon Dragic was with Houston, I think it would be a totally different story. It would allow James Harden to play his natural position. He didn't, wouldn't have to dominate the ball as much. My finals predictions, I'll, I'll go with my final four that I believe will be in the Western Conference and Eastern Conference Finals, respectfully. I'm going to pick Miami. Now, the interesting thing about Indiana is if they're matched up with Brooklyn in the first round of the playoffs, I wouldn't overlook that series. I know it's crazy to say right now, but with the years and years and years of experience, playoff experience, regular season experience, championship experience that the that the Nets have, and that's why they traded for all of those guys. Who knows? I know Brooklyn's got an awful record. Injuries, everything, blah, blah, blah. Brooke Lopez, what a shame. They'd probably be the three seed right now, if, if not higher, if he stayed healthy. But he can't stay healthy. With... That experience, watch out for that 1-8 matchup if it happens. I think Miami would blow them away just because of their pure athleticism. But winning ugly is what Brooklyn does. Indiana's got great defense, but if the game is in the high nine, is in the low 90s every game, it's a crapshoot. I, I don't think that Brooklyn will be the 8 seed. I think they'll win enough games to get up to the 5 or 6 seed, 4 seed maybe. 
So I'm picking Miami. I get, I'll pick Indiana just based on record right now. I know it's kind of a cop-out. It's too, way too early to, to be ballsy in picks. Western Conference. Yeah, I guess it's boring. Uh, Oklahoma City, San Antonio. I mean, I, I, and it, it, it's not that I'm picking the best records right now. I just don't think Portland's there yet. They went on a great run to start the year, so that's going to balloon the numbers. Um, they're 5-5 five and five in their last 10 games. So they've kind of come back to earth. San Antonio's 5-5 five and five in, their last five, in their last 10 games. I just don't see anybody circumventing Kevin Durant in the first two rounds. Because he, he, he could win you two playoff series by himself. That's fine. The second round is going to be tougher, as I previously mentioned, without Russell Westbrook, but he'll be back. So hopefully the dynamic and the flow of what Oklahoma City is doing right now won't be tarnished, tainted by the black hole that is Russell Wilson. I mean, uh, Russell Westbrook coming back. He's a black hole with the basketball. He takes as many shots as Kevin Durant does. But he's got freakish talents. and jump through the roof. He's fast. So obviously anybody would want him. I just don't think that they could win a championship with both Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook on the court. So, I mean, I guess I'm picking San Antonio to come out of the West. Until they fall, until their team injures itself, I'm picking them every year. Because the consistency level, the amount of games they win during the regular season, their experience, they have the most experience in playoffs uh, uh, top to bottom out of any team in the NBA, I believe. Tony Parker, Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili. It's a recipe for success to make it to the finals or be close every year. They were, again, a Ray Allen three-pointer in the corner away from winning the championship last year. I don't think any of these teams that are getting better, like Golden State, Portland, Phoenix, Clippers, I don't think any of those teams are ready yet. They don't have the veteran leadership that's necessary to go far in the playoffs. And I've said this before, and I'll continue to say it over and over and over again. Just because you've been in the league 10 or 12 years does not make you a veteran with regards to the playoffs. You need to have touched, seen the championship trophy, vied for it, played for it to be considered a veteran. Experience supersedes everything when it comes to the playoffs, especially the finals. And you ask, well, you know, uh, San Antonio, why couldn't they win last year if, you know, they had all the experience and Miami had all the talent? I mean, those are both absolute statements. I, I don't mean them to be 100% for each, each side. But it's 80-20 flopped. 80% talent, 20% experience for Miami and the other way around for, for San Antonio. But things happen, you know? I mean, they were, they were one bad bounce away. So my final picks as we are about to head to break, Miami-San Antonio, again. Home court advantage is going to be so important. They have the same amount of losses. San Antonio's played one more game. They're a half game up. San Antonio, Miami, finals. 
put it down. I don't know. It seems really easy to pick, but I'm picking the number two seed in each conference at least and not the number one seed. Got to take a break. Follow me, Clancy's Corner, on Twitter, at Clancy's Corner. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Like our Facebook page. Search Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Voice America Radio, Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. I'll be back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Oh, yeah. I got to work on it. Kwame, it's not there yet. Alex Clancy, <laughs> Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Kwame Lasseter is back on the line. That was my attempt at a sexy voice. I will get there. You I gotta promise look you. sexy to have a sexy voice. Kwame, I, I got a voice for radio. Everybody tells me that, so I look sexy on the radio. You know what I mean? Okay, you well, see, see what I'm is. talking about? So we were talking NBA in the last segment. We talked Denver and Seattle. Steps forward, what they need to do to perfect themselves, even more so for Seattle, I would say. I believe it's the offensive side of the ball. Denver's the defensive side of the ball. NBA, I picked San Antonio and Miami to make the finals. I know it's early, but I do believe experience for San Antonio in raw talent, pure talent, and beginning to get experience because they've won two championships in a row. They've been together three years, made it to three finals. I believe they'll do it again. I told Indiana to watch out for Brooklyn if Brooklyn is the eighth seed because that could be a hiccup series for them. And I I would pick, if it was Indiana-Brooklyn, the 1-8, I would pick Brooklyn to beat Indiana. I know it would be a stretch, but I do believe that with that experience, they could supersede Paul George and the Indiana Pacers. So the final segment, we're going to talk about Pau Gasol. Now the Lakers and Suns are in heated discussions about swapping Pau Gasol for the expiring contract of Mecca Okafor. Mecca Okafor was part of the Martian Gortat trade to Washington. He hasn't played this year. He's out the whole year. I think he's making $14.8 million this year. Pau Gasol is making 19.1, 19.6, something in that regard. So this would be the next best thing for the Lakers to clear up uh, salary cap space to get almost under the luxury tax threshold as it would have been as if they would have traded for Andrew Bynum and then released him. So... Pros for the Lakers, they get salary cap release, or relief, I should say. 
Uh, they get rid of a 33-year-old guy who is, you know, he's, they've won two championships together. He's been ridiculed a lot. He's been the talks of trades pretty much every year, uh, which is unfair to him. He was traded to Houston, but uh, David Stern put the kibosh on the trade for Chris Paul, so uh, he came back to the Lakers. Lamar Odom went a different way. <laughs> he kind of went off the rails due to that. So Pau Gasol at least mentally stayed strong, stayed a Laker, and now with the idea of him going to Phoenix, Ryan McDonough is excited about it, the GM of the, of the Suns, who's done a fantastic job. I believe he'll win GM of the year this year. His first year, he was the assistant GM to Danny Ainge in, in Boston, where they won championships, so he's tasted it. He's had the experience, the veteran experience, even though he's a young guy, in winning a championship and being a hand in winning a championship in Boston. I think him, Pau Gasol, coming to Phoenix would be a great thing for Phoenix. Now, it wouldn't be the best thing, but it would be a great step forward. Pau Gasol's probably got three years left. Three strong years left, I do believe. Now, the problem is that they run a high-powered, fast offense, fast breaks, things in that regard, and Pau Gasol's slow. Pau Gasol can run the break, he can trail, but even as a trailer, he'll be at half court while, uh, while you know, Goran Dragic or Eric Bledsoe are making a layup on the other side. So I, I'm, I know that his skill set is still top five for his, for his power forward class. He's got great hands. He can pass the ball really well. He shoots well from the line. He's, he shoots well from the field. Uh, he's cerebral. He makes mistakes. He's soft. So, Kwame, I'm going to ask you, do you think that this would be beneficial for the Suns? Or do you think that it, it would be good for this year and then eh? You know, maybe he'll go somewhere else afterwards. Well, I, I know the Suns want to win right now, but the Suns are not going to win a championship right now this year. I don't see it beneficial for someone to come dump, for the Lakers to dump money and open up free cap space for what they want to do to be successful, and they're in the same division as the Suns. I don't see the Suns picking up a guy just for the year, especially with that team, that young team, and it's a growing team. If you don't get anybody, you get somebody you can build with. Um, I always said that the Phoenix Suns need a veteran leadership, but I did not not a guy who's been hurt uh, quite a few times. Now he's mentally tough because anytime you put in a trade box and then it doesn't go through, you got to ask yourself, "Do my team want me, or this is what it is?" And then you have to come back and play a high level of football. And I know basketball is a grueling sport sometimes, might in and might out. But I don't see the Phoenix as far as the Phoenix Suns uh, and their growth. He would be good if I didn't if I wasn't picking up a lot of money from Paul Gasol. But I'm, I'm building a team, and these guys are not playing bad. These guys are playing pretty good. Picking up a picking up a veteran a veteran guy would be um, picking up somebody that they could, they'll have at least three to four years, and that, that who hasn't had that many injuries. I don't want teams or players to come here and say, "Well, we can go to Phoenix and die." I want you to come here and win a championship because. The way uh, Hornacek, Jeff Hornacek got that team going, they're going to be mentioned as uh, one of those teams, and they and as they get better and better, they will possibly have an uh, opportunity to win a championship or, or represent the West, even though we have a lot of great talent basketball-wise in the West. But they can be that team because they've beaten teams. They've shown some light. They've shown some, some I can go out here and, and beat the teams I'm supposed to beat and then – also beat those teams we didn't think they were going to beat, but that was us. We're not in that locker room like the Indiana, and they've been on the road, and they've had a good road stretch of winning, winning games. 
I don't want to see Paul Gasol come here and disrupt anything that they're trying to do or trying to build. Now, I'm not the head coach, and I don't know. I really just thought a veteran to come in here would be a veteran I can have for about five to six years. Yeah, no, and that's, you know, well put. I, I mean, I agree with you. I do think, though, that he's definitely a step up from Miles Plumley, who's playing center right now. So I think that, especially for jockeying for position, if you're going to run with this thing, they are only th- uh, four games out of the three seed in the Western Conference. And I believe bringing Pau Gasol in, how many games have they played? 47 games? They have 35 games left? I believe the Pau Gasol is worth six wins this year that they wouldn't get if he wasn't here. And that's a lot. And that's, that would be, that's, and that's, that's a and that's 16%. Good. That's, like I said... Uh, one of the things I said was, I don't know what the uh, plan would be for him. Uh, Jeff Ornstead got those guys playing at a high level. But if it's a year, if it's this year thing, and it's not costing them a lot of money, that's money we can put somewhere else possibly um, going forward and building this team. And it would be great to go in that third seed. And if, if Falcons come in here and, get, and do that, put him in third seed, that would be awesome. Not only not only to be the third seed, but to build the, the mentality of, we, where are we going to go from here? We've been third. We've got to go second and second and first after that. So that builds that mentality or that, that aspiration that we got to do better than last year, even though this year being the third seed is pretty good. But you don't want to be that team that, that's building and getting bounced off the first round, even though there's a, it's better than what they've been. Uh, if Palcasol can come here and do that and, and be that inspiration, be that, that go-to guy for six games where they're winning these games, then uh, all, I'm all for that. But at least go out in free agency. I don't know if a guy that could come in and draft it there, but I love a veteran free agent guy who can come in and take this team, help take this team to the next level. Yeah, no, and absolutely. And, 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 and Pau Gasol will be a draw for players. People love playing with Pau Gasol because he's selfless, he takes care of business, he is soft, and he is slow. So those are the two main digs against him, but he knows how to play basketball. He is he is the quintessential European basketball player who's with withstood the test of time. He's gotten better. He can finish with both hands. He can pass the ball. He's so unselfish, as I said before. The people are drawn to playing with him, especially with such a young core around him. If you can get a power forward or or, or, a, or a good uh, small forward to take the place of PJ Tucker, let him come off the bench. This team with Pau Gasol could go places. You know, and, and I think that he's not going to be the answer, but he could be a part of the equation to get to the answer if they bring somebody he, else in in the offseason. If off he's season. able to run with these young legs, then, yeah, take that chance to get move up. Because you, you build it more than the third seed. You build it, you're going to have a core, a, a core guy coming back to this team that has a, a, has a formula for winning and understanding the system that Hornacek has put in place. But if Hornacek, if, if, if uh Palpasol can come in and run with this young team, then it will be beneficial for them. But as a long-term deal, I feel there's other guys out there that the Suns can get. But it's also predicated on these guys want to be here. They see the growth and the maturity that this team has become or is becoming. Then you can get those top free agents, veteran guys, to come here and help this team go to that next level. Yeah. Uh, but Palpasol is the guy. He has to be willing and ready to run with these guys because these guys are running. Yeah, they, well, have, they had some great role wins, as I mentioned, but getting in that third seed huge from where they come from. Yeah, I mean they're eight and two, and, and this is starting to get to eight and two in the last ten. I mean they won five in a row. This is starting to become when games are become really important, and the All Star game is coming up. So after that, 
how they work. If, if they can get him before the before the trade deadline, then all-star break, you have him for the second part of the season. It's not like he was injured somewhere else. It's not like they traded Powell for a Mecca Okafor, who's been hurt the whole year, and he's going to come back and play now. Powell's been playing. He's been the most important player on the court for the Lakers pretty much the whole year. So he's already in midseason form, and all you do is plug him in, let him use his innate skills to be able to make this team better especially with how well they shoot the three-point shot in Phoenix, he can back people down and kick it out to any number of guys with great accuracy, which is tough for big guys to do a lot of the times. Um, yeah. Damn it. Has, we, we, um, hey, we have to gotta, go. you got to remember, he, he is important to the Lakers. has been the most important guy. But you do still have Nash and uh, you have Kobe out. So he has picked on the slack, slack as far as professionalism goes and being one of those key veterans. So he, this is something he's supposed to do. This is something that... He should thrive and Phoenix on. doesn't have that. European player style that he is. Well, yeah, he's unselfish. He takes the shots that he knows he can make. He put himself in position to be successful. I have a problem with Powell. So I just look, I'm looking more forward to, I'm more concerned about where the Suns is headed. Powell Saul can help. But I'm not bringing a guy in here uh, just for six games. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> what, what makes sense, uh, and you make a good point on this, if he can get in here before the uh all-star game, that way you can get the system in, they can, that way they can put some time in the, in the film room with the with the assistant coaches and the head coach. Yeah, that's work. I can see that working because it won't take that long for them to adapt to the system that the uh, Phoenix Suns are playing. Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Follow Kwame at Kwame Lasseter on Twitter at Clancy's Corner for me at Deborah underscore Debris for Deborah. We gotta go. Voice America Radio, Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. We will see you guys Thursday. for tuning in this week. Join us every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.